Hey guys, welcome back to More Than Sparrows. If you are new to the channel, we are studying the book of Micah and one of the goals of this channel is to examine scripture verse by verse and also put real world issues in biblical context. So one of the great things about scripture just in general is that it does not return void and it is constant in season and out of season, which means that even whenever we're studying a book of prophecy in the Old Testament, like Micah, uh, real world issues, things that we are facing today still come up in our discussions of scripture. And that is because God's word is living and active and is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, which is 2 Timothy 3.16. And that's one of the core beliefs of this channel. We believe that God's word is inerrant and infallible, and even Old Testament books like Micah and the prophets still apply to us in 2022. So, we, like I've already said, we've been studying the book of Micah, and today we're going to wrap up our study of chapter 5. So, like always, we are going to read the scripture. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 6, and this week we're going to be focusing on 7 through 15. But, we like to put things in context around here. So, we're going to read the first six verses again and read all the way through to the end of chapter 5 to make sure that we are applying the things that we are seeing and reading properly. So, let's go ahead and get started with that. Let me put it up on your screen. All right. Here we go. A promised ruler from Bethlehem. I remember we talked about this last week. And the promised ruler from Bethlehem is Jesus. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem Ephrath, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the Lord his God, in the name of the Lord his God, excuse me. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace. When the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses, we will raise against them seven shepherds, even eight commanders, who will rule the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod with drawn sword. He will deliver us from the Assyrians when they invade our land and march across our borders. So if you remember... We're going to pause right there for just a second. That even though um, this promised one who is going to deliver Israel is mentioned and all of these leaders that will rise up, remember that the he that is being mentioned over and over again is Jesus. And ultimately, he is going to be the deliverer of Israel. So now let's see what this week's verses have for us. The remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many peoples, like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass, which do not wait for anyone or depend on man. The remnant of Jacob will be among the nations, in the midst of many peoples, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among flocks of sheep, which mauls and mangles as it goes, and no one can rescue. Your hand will be lifted up and triumph over your enemies, and all your foes will be destroyed." In that day, declares the Lord, I will destroy your horses from among you and demolish your chariots. 
I will destroy cities of your land and tear down all your strongholds. I will destroy your witchcraft and you will no longer cast spells. I will destroy your idols and your sacred stones from among you. You will no longer bow down to the work of your hands. I will uproot, uproot from you your Asherah poles when I demolish your cities. I will take vengeance and wrath and anger on the nations that have not obeyed me. All right. So we got a lot going on here. Um, one of the things that I love about this verse or these verses is that it once again mentions a remnant. So that has been a pretty constant theme that we have seen pop up over and over and over again. So verse nine, we see another mention of the remnant but something that i thought was really interesting about these verses especially the second half like verses 10 through 15 where it's talking about all these things that man has made and that god is going to destroy them in the last days and that man kind of will no longer worship those things and god is being really direct about what he's saying to these people so whenever um we're thinking about chapter 5 going into chapter 6. Uh, this is kind of like the background information Mike is getting. So pretend that they're getting ready to have a court proceeding for Israel. Chapter 5 really is like the attorneys. I, I really I don't know legal jargon or anything. But presenting their case or like this is the background information that made this person do this bad thing so here's some of the background information is like setting the stage for chapter six where Micah is really going to bring his indictment of the people specifically I mean he's been pretty specific this whole time but it's getting ready to shift gears just a little bit um and this section follows the prophecy of a coming divine king and a victorious kingdom and one of the things as I was reading and doing research I thought this was super interesting and insightful because, like I said, verses 10 through 15, talking about your idols, um, you will no longer bow down to the work of your hands. Like, man, could you describe 2022 any better that people worship their work and their jobs? And I, I'm just as guilty of this, too, so please don't think that I'm like, oh, you workaholics, you guys work too much. I'm so much better. No, I'm right there in the midst of you all. I, yes. I can work way too much. Um, but in one of the commentaries, um, there's a piece from a 1977 um, daily news column called Mean Street X-Rated Streets by William Reel. Again, this was written in 1977. And there was a, a passage in it. I didn't, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but there was a paragraph that really stood out to me, written in 1977, that I really feel like could still be true today. All right, so here we go. Remember, this is from the Daily News, and it was called Mean Street, X-Rated Streets. When was the last time a Catholic leader said anything more forceful than God bless you? New York needs a John the Baptist, and Catholicism gives us Casper Milquostas. I don't really know how to say that name. The Protestant leadership is effort and insipid debating holy orders for lesbians at a time when grandmothers are regularly and brutally assaulted by muggers and rapists. The Jewish establishment is morbid. Jeremiah must weep when, looking down from above, he contemplates these sad sacks sitting in their studies composing Passover messages that have no more spiritual content 
than a press release from the Liberal Party. Wow. Um, I love that this author calls out all the religious leaders that either proclaim to be Christians or associate with Christianity in some way, including the Jewish. Um, But sad sacks sitting in their studies, composing Passover passages that have no more spiritual content than a press release from the Liberal Party. That's pretty scary. And that was 1977. Um, How much more then have we strayed away from having anything of any real spiritual value. So this is why it's really, really, really important to study God's word for yourself, to read, and to know. Not just take somebody's word for it, because they might not have a full grasp either. And I've said this before, but totally, 100% test everything that I say on scripture itself. Don't take my word for it. Don't just believe me because I'm on your screen and you might know me personally or whatever. No. Like, go do research. Go read for yourself. Don't don't just trust me. Okay. So, we're going to get back to our passage after that little sidebar there. Um, but it's definitely indicative, indicative of today and also our verses that we're going to be looking at. So, um, verses 7 through 9, the remnant of Jacob, like dew, like showers, like a lion, like a young lion. So we see this like pop up all the time. How many of you remember what figure of speech that is whenever you have a comparison of two unlike things using <laughs> like or as? So here we have two similes, two really big similes um, and symbols, do and a lion. So do traditionally in Jewish context and even kind of now, Uh, is a symbol of blessing and refreshment in a dry land. Um, And then lion is kind of twofold in its symbolism. It can either symbolize destruction and fierce judgment or conquering strength. And so in this section, we can definitely see both. Um, The remnant will be among the nations in the midst of many peoples like a lion. And so here we see conquering strength. They're amongst their enemies, but they will be lifted up in triumph in verse 9 and their foes will be destroyed. Now, here in the past, what we've been studying the last several weeks and the chapters up to this, Israel had been both a lion and due in the past, but now Israel and Judah are neither. They are neither due and refreshment to those that are around them and they are not conquering strength at all and so they really need like we talked about in previous verses a leader they need Jesus to come in and to make it better and so then we look at verses 10 through 15 which I kind of have already mentioned but in these verses Micah specifically is writing of a day when the nation will be purified of its sin so remember it has been neither dew nor lion But then in Psalm 133, verse 3, we have a prophecy where Israel is going to once again be that. God will enable his people to overcome like lions and then bring fruitfulness to the world like the dew that watched Israel's crops. And that's what we see in verse 10. Um, 
It's going to be, they're going to be purified of their sin and maintain an attitude of pure and intense devotion to God. And I really, really loved that phrase um, from one of the commentaries I was reading. Pure and intense devotion to God. But in order to have that pure and intense devotion to God, there's a lot of stuff that's in the way. Um, Israel has got to give up her trust in foreign military and foreign aid. So we see that in, especially verse 11, tear down all of your strongholds. They got to get rid of their reliance on the occult and witchcraft and casting spells and not the very word of God. And they also have got to get rid of their false idols. I will destroy your idols and your sacred stones among you. You will no longer bow down to the work of your hands. And I think that's that's really important. Verse that second part of verse 13. You will no longer bow down to the work of your hands. In today's culture, in today's world, we do not necessarily have things in our house that we have set up as an idol that we're going to pray to every day. It's just not a reality. However, we all have these things. And if you've been following me on social media here lately, you saw what I said pretty recently about social media and how it had become an idol in my life and how I'm actively working to tear it down in my own life, partially from prolonged conviction that I've been ignoring and then studying verses like this, um, where part of the work of your hands being how many likes you get on a post or how many views your video has, all of those things. Like, I'm not in control of the analytics or what YouTube puts in front of people. So who cares? God's in control. And if he can control the sun, moon, and stars, surely he can put my video in front of people who need to see it. So I don't care anymore. Like, I don't care. This could have one view. This could have hundreds of thousands of views. Praise the Lord. But it doesn't matter because I don't need to make that an idol in my life because God's in control and not me. So... Social media does not have all of that power that we like to give it in our lives because it's not real. Anyway, um, what was I saying? I forgot. But <laughs> Israel and Judah were both guilty of sins that violated God's law and grieved his heart. Like, the, oh, the work of your hands. That's where it was going. Our work, our houses, our um ability to keep up with trends in either our hair or our wardrobe or the things that are around us like those are those are idols those are things that we actively work towards and not that those things in and of themselves are wrong but if they come before worshiping God and serving him if all of our money and all of our time is going to things that don't have eternal value then it's in the wrong position in our lives and it has become an idol okay that's where I was going. Now let me get back to my notes. Um, Israel and Judah were both guilty of violating sins that, or committing sins that violated God's law and grieved his heart. Hello, guilty, so are we. Um, the time after he sent his messengers to denounce their sins and warn them of judgment. No, time after time. He continued. I mean, we've talked about how Amos is a contemporary. Isaiah is a contemporary of Micah. So he keeps sending these people saying, hey, if you don't repent, this is what's going to happen. And they just wouldn't listen. But in the last days, and when those last days are, we don't know. Only God knows. Um, Israel returned to their land. And God will 
purge land and prepare them for new life in the kingdom. But in order to do that, we have to have, and Israel has to have, pure and intense devotion to God. So, um, I guess the question, the big takeaways, because that, that phrase just really stood out to me, pure and intense devotion to God. Um, can we say that is also true of us? How much sweeter would life be if right now we recognize our position in reference to God and who God is? Like, we are terrible. We are, you are not a good person. I am not a good person. In comparison to a holy and righteous God, we are terrible and we need Jesus. And that's why he sent Jesus, because we need him. And what would happen in our lives if we did just that? Maintain a pure and intense devotion to God. What would that look like in your life to do that? Um, for me, just like I mentioned earlier, Social media is one of those things that really has got to go. Got to go. I set timers on my apps on my phone so that I cannot look at them longer than 20 minutes total for Instagram and Facebook every day. Um, it is no longer going to be the first thing that I look at when I wake up or the last thing I look at when I go to bed. Uh, committing myself to memorizing scripture. That's been something that I've been working on. I have note cards right here with the scripture that I'm working on right now and those are just a couple of ways that here recently not always not since I started this channel but recently within the last month trying to refocus my heart and mind to be radically set apart for Christ and so I just want you to think about that and pray about it in your life and see what the Lord tells you that you might need to adjust or cut out or anything like that because life is a lot better, not easier, because the Christian life is difficult, but better whenever we are wholly devoted to him and are working for his glory and his goals and his gains and not our own. So just a little something to think about. How can we create and maintain pure and intense devotion to God? And I feel like the, the first step to doing that is you have to be in love with Jesus. You have to recognize your position and what Christ has done for you so that you can even be in relationship with Christ, with God. And out of that gratitude and love and thankfulness for him, do we obey? And so if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, um, I'll leave some resources for you in the description. Um, and I hope you become part of the family, but just something to think about and pray about in, in your own day-to-day -day life. So I hope this has been encouraging. I'm excited. We're getting closer to Micah 6, 8. We're going to start chapter 6 next week. I'm excited. Um, but... I was going to say if you have any questions, but if you have any questions, you can leave them in the comments, but you can't ask me them right this second. But I hope you have a great rest of your day, rest of your week, and I will see you next time. Bye.